Last week we had uh, six grandchildren around and uh, it was a blast. And I have a story to tell that I will tie into this morning's sermon. So a group of them wanted to color and grandpa, color with us. And so I tried and one of them said, grandpa, you got to use your imagination. <laughs> so I tried and that stuck in my head all week. Use your imagination. So for some reason this morning, I couldn't sleep. I got up at two, and then I came in here about four, and I was sitting here in the dark, and I used my imagination. And this is my imagination. As we were sitting here, all of a sudden, Jesus walked down the middle aisle and stood right here and spoke the words of Matthew 6, 19 through 24. And we all knew it was Jesus. This morning, would you use your imagination with me? This is the seventh week on a series that we're calling Embracing the King's Economy. It's connected to our purpose statement, third's purpose statement, which is people who come in contact with us will be a people who experience the fruit of the Spirit. From us, they will experience love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. People come in contact with us, we'll, we'll meet a people who are growing in intimacy with the triune God. We call that the circle of love. And the third thing is people come in contact with us, will experience ever-increasing sacrificial generosity. So the, the imagination I'd like you to think of, what if Jesus came to talk to us in week seven about generosity? Now, let me, let me go a little more um, imagination. So in my imagination, as he walked down the aisle here, he was just like, you know, the ro I imagine robes. And he had this great big smile. And he was just looking at people and just, people just felt welcomed and called. You, you just felt known. And he just stood there, and then he began to talk. He began to recite the words. Now, my imagination is not so off because if you remember, the Sermon on the Mount is from the passage, the passage I'm going to use this morning. And I just remind you of the Sermon on the Mount. People ask me in this season of time in American history, how do we respond? In my opinion, my opinion, the best way to bless our country is to obey Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I would argue it is the Magna Carta of a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I said to you a couple weeks ago, the, the statistics we have is about 7% of Americans could be defined as disciples. I'll push it a little farther. I would say 7% of the people embrace the Sermon on the Mount. So if you remember the history of that, when Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, now remember now, there were only 9,000 Kevins in Israel in Jesus' day. 9,000 scribes, Pharisees, teachers of the law. Everybody else was just, quote, common. So on the hillside, by the lake, Jesus began to talk to these people who they called with derision the Anavim, the losers, the second class. They weren't the real religious people like the Pharisees. And Jesus looked at these people, and what did he say? Blessed are you. 
10, blessed, 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 blessed. He blessed the Anavim. And they were like, we're, we're, part, we're important, we're part of the I think when Jesus did it, he had a smile on his face. He said to those people, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the people on the margins, on the back, who, who, who culture just blows up. You are the ones who can change the world. And I think he had a smile as he blessed them with a generous spirit. How did Jesus live among us 2,000 years ago? He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He welcomed all kinds of people, prostitutes and the lame and the lepers and the cripples and all kinds. Of, he, was, he was generous of every way. And that's why 17 years ago, our leaders said this phrase, ever-increasing sacrificial generosity, is a picture of what it means to follow Jesus. Well, let me just give a couple slides, and I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 6. Can I have just slide 2? And this is a little bit theoretical. I've tried to break it down a little bit from its source, which is from Dallas Willard's writings. But to help us honor King Jesus, we must change whatever it is in our actual belief system, our actual belief system that reduces confidence that Jesus is creator, owner, and Lord of all. So what I, let me paraphrase that. We are invited to look into our lives and what are the things, what in us minimizes that Jesus is a good creator, owner, and Lord? Let me just push, and I'll show you in a few minutes in, in Matthew 6. So we use many metaphors to describe Jesus, all kinds of metaphors. In these seven weeks, we're using the metaphor of king. It doesn't make sense to Americans. But let me just quickly summarize. A king had absolute authority rights, and sovereignty over his people. In the passage, Jesus said, you can't have two kings. Either you have one Jesus or one mammon. But whoever is your king will control your life. Who is our king? So, in my mind, if I don't understand, let me go back to, I started raising this, this thing oh, three years and six months ago when our son died. At his funeral, I used these words. It is critical before tragedy, heartbreak, terrible moments come that you establish and believe that God is good. If we believe God is good, regardless of circumstances, then we can live in all kinds of places and ways because we are convinced that God is good. Now back to here. If God is good, I will trust him as creator, as owner, as Lord. Let me just, I'm gonna get a little bit, hang on with me. It's gonna get real positive later. But someday, you, we're all gonna stand before, so I said, imagine, Jesus is here, he walks down. It's beautiful, it's wonderful. But when he comes back the second time as, as the reigning one. One of the things he will do is ask each of us to stand before him. And he will ask each of us, what did you do with the money I gave you? What did you do with the relationships I gave you? What did you do with the life I gave you? 
I want to know. Now let me just take that and show you a slide about oh, seven to eight, ten minutes. Many of us Americans think about what is my cumulative lifetime earning? What if on judgment day, when the king returns, he doesn't ask us, what is your cumulative earning? What if he asks you, what is your cumulative giving? So I met with someone this week who wanted me to come to his house and see he has uh, a very nice place and he just purchased his second. He has, let's see, I can't this right. Three cars, he just bought his second truck and he's got a boat. He wanted me to see and to celebrate him and so I did, it was celebrated, it was beautiful. It was all kinds of good stuff. And then he said, Pastor, I got to you something really great. You know, for the last 30 years, I've given 10 bucks a week to the Lord. I'm gonna raise it to 15. I said, great. It's great, it's great, it's great. But I had in the back of my head, you think the Lord's gonna say, so, Kevin, how much money did you earn in your 60 years, 50 years of working? I want to, I want to see how much money. We, or will he say, Kevin, how are your relationships? How are the people entrusted to you? Did they receive a generous spirit, generous and kind, good fruit? Did you handle the money I gave you in ways that honored the king? I'm getting ahead of myself. Would you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6? It's going to get positive. Hang on. Hang with me. I can just feel things getting tight. If you don't like what I'm saying, write to Mike R at trcpellet.com. Mark chapter 6. Or Matthew chapter 6. I'm sorry. Verses 9 through 14. So imagine now Jesus is here and he's going to re just, he recites these words to us. And so Jesus says, Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. So like four weeks ago, I talked about this multiple times. For where our treasure is, there our hearts will also be. I'm going to read it as is, the next three verses, and then translate it. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If in the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Let me retranslate now. This is called a Hebrew euphemism. The eye, the heart, is the lamp of the whole body. If your heart is healthy, that word is translated, or generous, your whole body will be full of generosity. But if your heart is stingy, your whole body will be full of selfishness. If the light within you is selfish, how great is that selfishness? And then in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either we will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. We cannot serve both God and money. So let me, I had three questions that, that just came out of those few verses to me. Here, here's the first one. What is the trajectory of my daily living? So I'm going to start with that. And could you ask yourself the same question? What's the trajectory of how we live each day? Why do I say that? 
How did Jesus begin? Verses 19 and 20. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but, he says, store for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now, what's he saying? He's saying, what's the trajectory of your living? He's asking all of us. If the trajectory of my living is here, then my goal in life is to acquire as much as I can, have as many pleasant experiences as I can gather, have as much fun as I can accumulate over all these years, and die with money in the bank. And all I care about is what happens here. So Jesus said, remember now, Jesus is full of joy. Jesus comes here, he's among us, and he says to us, now don't do that. Don't store up for yourselves treasures here because moth and rust destroy. Now, someone came to me after the first service, someone who was quite financially successful, and said to me, according to the Bible, who's the richest man who ever lived? Well, I know the answer to that, Solomon. And then he asked me a question I did not know. He said, how long did Solomon's wealth last after he died? Everything he accumulated was gone in five years. So he lived, we're going to come into this in September, Lord willing. He said, I had as much money, power, education, sex, whatever I wanted. His trajectory was right here. And Jesus says what? Don't store up for yourselves right here. I just, so because when you die, someone's going to get all our stuff. And it's possible they're going to not use the stuff we left them very well. So if our, everything is right here, right here, right here. So then what happens? Well, then, well, then I, I can't be generous. I can't be generous in my words or my actions. My, I can't be generous with anything because it's all right here. I got to have it right here. But Jesus, oh, no, 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 no. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So I don't, I, I don't have a savings account, but I'm guessing, and if I ask one of the bankers, I, I don't know, well, Steve, what's, what's, if I put money in a savings account, pass, but what, what's, what's the return? 0.05. Okay, Kevin, now if you're going to put money in that, you're going to get 0.05 back. But, Kevin, if you put your investments in people for the kingdom, what did Jesus say later? There'll be 100-time investments. So the first thing that comes to me is, Kevin, what's the trajectory of my living? Can I ask you the question? What's your, is your trajectory right now? Is our trajectory the life to come? Remember, we're all going to die. And we're going to go from one life to the next. Next. Well, here's the second thing that came to me. The second thing that raised to me is, who owns me? Look at verse 21. No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one or despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. The word serve in Luke 4 is translated worship. You can't worship God in money. So what's he saying? Money, if I remember, I told you three weeks ago, the word mammon is translated by many scholars to be a demon. I think we can argue that money is often not neutral. There is a power to money. Why is there so mis much misuse? So in, in a Me Too culture, let me just use myself as a white male, why are so many white males of wealth misusing women, degrading women, raping women, 
why, why, why do people like me think they can do that? Because I have money. Because money creates power. Money creates status. Money creates power differentials. And Jesus said, oh, don't do that. Be careful with that. Be careful with that. Be care- don't, don't do that. Why? Because it affects how we relate to people. So he says you can't serve two masters. He said either you love and serve one, that's Jesus, or you love and serve mammon. Why does he say that? Because whoever we, the Old Testament talks about this repeatedly, whoever our God is, whatever our idol is, we start to look like and act like our idol. So what, okay, King Jesus, King Mammon. If mammon is my God, is my king, I give my allegiance, I live short term to mammon, what is the implication of the kingdom of mammon? We are envious, we become envious, judgmental, we we justify our use of money, our misuse of money. All those things happen because, listen now, mammon is a slave driver. The word master here, kurios, is owner, master. Kyle played in the NBA for 17 years, 18 years, can't remember what. Every year he had an owner. He had a contract that said you can do this and this and this and this and you can't do this and this and this and this and if you do, you don't get paid. He had an owner. Brothers and sisters, if you call yourself a Christian, you have an owner. But he is a loving owner. Think about this owner. So if, if mammon is a God who envelops us, enslaves us, breaks relationships, I can tell you as a pastor 40 years, I can tell you story after story after story after story of families blown apart because of stuff. Kids hating their parents, hating each other, fighting, 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 fighting over stuff. And the God mammon has just got this whole family system in captivity. And compare it to people who have Jesus as the owner and the master. What does Jesus say? He came to give us life and give it abundantly. He gives us spiritual gifts. He gives us spiritual power and authority. He gives and gives and gives and we're free. The difference is crazy big. And Jesus said, you can't serve both. You're going to be a slave to one or the other. Who's your master? Now, let me just stop for a second. And I'm going to stop and say thank you again. And I say thank you, Third Church, for your generosity. I'm going to tell you things I've never said publicly before, again, like I did four weeks ago. We have about 1,000 giving units, individuals or households. About 300 households, individuals, in the course of a year, give no money to Third Church. They're part of the life of our congregation, actively involved in all kinds of things, and that's just fine. But 700 giving units this year will give nearly $5 million. Of that $5 million, the audit comes in two weeks. I'm guessing 35 to 40% of the money you give is going to be given away. I want to say thank you to 700 households for incredible generosity. The audit last year revealed... We did it, we drilled down all kinds of ways. Of the 700 families who give, the average giving, the average giving of 700 giving units was $4,200. Thank you. Thank you. Because that money is given away, it's given away. All kinds of ways, I can't even tell you all the ways. So what does that tell me about us? 
we increasingly, we are understanding that we can't serve God in money. And there's a movement in our hearts, in our lives, to be more connected to Jesus who owns it all anyhow. One more thing. Last thing I'm gonna say about these, these first couple verses. This is, in light of this, what I just said, what's my trajectory now or later? What's the second question? Who owns me? Which, which is my master? Here's the third question. What's the condition of my heart? You notice verse 21? For wherever, Kevin, your heart, your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So think about it. Now watch the sequencing. If I'm living for now, who owns me is mammon, and the condition of my heart is like this. And so I'm judging, I'm envying, I want what you have, and you have, and you have, and you have, and you have, because this is how I live. I judge, I judge, but not flip it. Someone who is thinking, I'm going to die, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to live with Christ the Lord forever. My perspective is forever. Who owns me? Jesus. And he owns me. He loves us. And what does he say? Have fun. Be generous. Your heart, your heart, it always comes back to the heart. So let me tell you a story of my grandpa. My, my grandpa's name is William Corver. Grandpa Corver, grandpa and grandma, I've told this story before, but they lost their farm twice in the Dust Bowl. My grandparents were incredibly poor. My grandpa worked until 78. My grandma worked, my grandpa worked at a butcher shop until 78, and my grandma worked cleaning, mopping the floors of the old people's home until she was 72. They were poor. But we went to visit Grandpa and Grandma Corver in Sioux Center, Iowa. We had to play these board games and we had to have dried beef sandwiches. And they would talk to us, you know. And I'm a kid thinking Grandpa and Grandma's, you know. But I've never forgotten, at the end, Grandpa would fish into his pocket and he'd have a penny or a quarter or a dollar. And the same phrase my dad used, my grandpa used. Kevin, my boy, I love you. And he'd give me a penny, and he'd just smile. That's all he had. My dad was growing up. Their Christmas present was an apple in July. That's how poor they were. But my grandpa lit up like a Christmas tree as he gave me a penny. This man's heart was so generous. I'll never forget my grandpa. On his deathbed, this was a phrase he wrote. He couldn't write, so he scribbled as best he could. This is what he said, and he had read at the funeral. My children, eight kids, your mother and I did the best we could in spite of our inadequacies. And I remember my grandpa saying to me, Kevin, my boy, The guy had no money. He's one of the richest men I ever knew. Because he was generous of heart. And that's who we are becoming. We're becoming like Jesus. Let me go a little different direction with you now. Um, let me tell you where we're going to go. Can I have slide eight, please, Joey? This is what I would like in about, in about uh, six, seven minutes. I'd like to fill this room with conversation. And so we're going to go there in just a couple minutes. Here are the two questions I wonder if we could have conversation around together in smaller groups. First question is, what was the most generous gift you've ever given? What was its impact when you gave that gift? 
And the other question is, what was the most generous gift you ever received? And what was the impact of that gift? Well, before we go there, let me get a couple things. Um, number slide five. This is, this is I'm gonna, I want to poke at this just a little bit more. I did this two weeks ago. and do it one more time. In verses 19 and 20, Jesus says, don't store up your things on earth, store up things in heaven. We, don't, we have to fight what I call eternity amnesia. Here it is. Eternity amnesia says this life is all there is. So I've got to experience it now because if I don't experience it now, I'm never going to have it. So can I remind you what I said two weeks ago? I got, I got so many emails, texts, and calls after that sermon because somehow people didn't recognize this. So let me just remind you what I said. When Jesus returns to make all things right, you will have a resurrection body. And you will live on this earth, a renewed, transformed earth. This life is not all there is. In fact, if you go back to the Genesis account 1 and 2 and Revelation 21, what is to come is so much bigger and better than we can imagine. And so we're fighting. C.S. Lewis had a phrase like this. We fight for trinkets and we fight over little things not recognizing what is to come. Can I just remind us all one more time? What is to come is beyond comprehension. It is so good and rich. So eternity amnesia says, I got to get it now because this is all there is. Eternity amnesia says material things will satisfy. I can't remember the research now, but we get a... A hit of a dopamine and something. And for just a short amount of time, we get this positive feeling about purchasing a new thing. It lasts relatively quickly for a short amount of time. But we keep going for things that don't satisfy. We, 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 so we, we sat together without Kirk. And we sat together and had a meal and we took a picture and in the picture, there's someone missing. And all the things I've ever obtained in this life, whatever possessions I have, whatever, whatever, they don't satisfy. What satisfies is a relationship with Jesus and with people you love. That's it. And that's what's promised us eternally. And the last part of eternal amnesia we think Disneyland's got to be solved at all costs. We, 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 we have to go to, we want life to be Disneyland. Can I, can I just, one more time? We are not on a cruise ship. We are on a battleship. Christians, we are in a battle with evil and evil powers. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers in the spiritual places. This is not Disneyland. One more slide, and then I would like you to have neighborhood talk. Can I have slide, uh, let me do seven, just, just, just for fun. And if you don't like it, Mike R at trcpelly.com. But I, I thought about this a lot. And, I, and I, I'm going I'm to ask Dan Sorensen to find out how much money Lane and I have given to Third Church. And I can go back to our tax records, and I want to see how much money, I want to find out how much money Lane and I have given away in the last 29 years. I wonder how this is what will make me feel when I actually see the number. 
But there's another question below it. How would that number make King Jesus feel? The one who's given me health and a job and a very beautiful income, thank you. What would my answer make Jesus feel like? Okay, neighborhood conversation. Slide number eight. So let's take a little time. Could, I hope it just is a blast. What's the most generous gift you've ever given? What was its impact? And what was the most generous gift you've ever received? Now, this will work. Even if you're here alone and don't know somebody, this is an easy question to talk to somebody with. So can we just kind of make a fruit basket upset for like five or seven minutes? Let's have a blast. Just, just talk, talk, talk. Loud, have fun, lots of laughter. On your marks, get set. Go for it, Generosity. All right, I wonder, anybody, how, how is it to talk about generosity? Give me a thumbs up, thumbs down. Okay. 
Does anybody want to... What's the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? A couple people. What, what is the Holy Spirit prompting in you about generosity this morning that I can share with everybody? What, what's, what's the prompt from the Lord? Yes, Jesse. Um, I was thinking about how giving generously is a lot Great, Jesse. Jesse says it doesn't have to be money. It's a mother's heart for her children, opening their homes. It's been loving and welcoming to their friends. All that. That's absolutely. That's fantastic. Um, Lyle just said that he he doesn't know. He couldn't think of anything. And then I just reminded him he's been caregiver for his mom for X years. Well, invite this mother into one of our facilities. And be, how much money is that? That's a gift to his mom. So beautiful. Other, what's Holy Spirit? What's, what's prompt? What's dinner, not just generosity about these questions, what's being prompted by the Holy Spirit about the idea of being an ever-increasingly generous person? Yes. Let me know. Miranda says we, we, we give the gift, and in some ways we receive the gift. Maybe even, what did Jesus say? It's more blessed to give than to receive, right? We get, we get it back in spades. Beautiful, thank you. What else? What's being prompted? What's the Holy Spirit prompting? Yep, Randy. So Randy said it, generosity is contagious, and so is stinginess, right? Seriously. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. When, when, when we come in to gather together and worship, we can be stingy with our greetings, and we can be generous in our greetings. And just that helps change a space. You want to say You just missed a wonderful sermon. <laughs> so he just talked about just generosity, giving a variety of things and what it does to others and how they're blessed. Fantastic. What's your first name? That's what I thought. That's Jacob. Great job, Jacob. Future preacher, mom and dad. <laughs> Good job, buddy. Anybody else? Yep. Sure. No? Yes? Just want to wave? Okay. Anybody else? One more? Yeah. Kathy. Sometimes generosity is costly, Kathy said. Sometimes it costs things 
even dangerous things to be really generous with someone else. Is it true? Sometimes when we are being generous, our generosity can be rejected. And then what happens when someone says they don't want what we're offering, right? There's, it feels very deep personal. You get some? Yeah. It's beautiful. So a taste of heaven, someone at the gas station, a single mom was filling her car up. She pulled the other woman's credit card out, cancel. She paid for the gas and the taste of heaven. I got another one for you. So you know, all our fiber optics folks working all over town, many of them are Spanish speaking. It's been really fun. I've seen different times when people who do care have been generous with water, with food, whatever, and, and the people from other parts of the world, literally, who are helping to put all these cable lines in are just blown away. Um, the tragic accident of the two young people uh, by Lincoln School, and to see um, what members of the city council did and what our people did to try to at least honor these families for this terrible loss, that was a beautiful act of generosity that our leaders did for So. Do you see how many options and ways there are? So, so you see how, do you see why this is part of our air purpose statement? Being a generous people is such a sign of the kingdom, right? It's, we can all do it uniquely in our own way, different ways, all kinds of ways. All right. Well, let me tell you about next week, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to go home. You can let off fireworks this morning. No, don't do that. Um, next week, Sunday, for the first time since COVID, we are going to have corporate communion but we're gonna do it differently. We're gonna invite you to come up to the front in stations. The elders will be across the front and we'll work on logistics and all that. But I wanna let you know that if you're uncomfortable, you don't need to participate and nor will you be shamed. And if you're not comfortable, you don't need to come. But we just want you to know, we'd like to, we'd like to start to re-engage all our practices, including corporate communion. So that will be next week as well. Would you stand for the blessing and then we'll go home. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and may the love of God our Father may the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit go with you now and always. Amen. Be generous. God bless.